I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Friday. We have slayed this dragon again. We've made it through a week. Uh, we're just a few hours away from the weekend. I'm very much looking forward to that. But before we get there, before we get there, it's you and me hanging out for about two and a half hours here, walking through the big news, uh, sharing some of our thoughts with one another. It's a privilege and a treat to be here with you. Last night, last night, what were you up to? Wh- which network did you choose? Which town hall did you decide to watch? I told you yesterday in this dueling in this dueling town hall battle of last night, I told you that some of the headlines, some of the first headlines we would see here today would be uh, not about the substance, not about the policy, not about even the audience members or the moderators, but, 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 that the headlines would revolve around the ratings. Well, you know, ratings, they take a little, they take some time to report, and if I'm honest, we don't have all the info quite yet, but... Uh, Variety Magazine. Variety Magazine was the first I saw uh, just after just after nine o'clock uh, here Mountain Time this morning. Variety uh, let loose their first report on the very earliest of ratings. And ask yourself this: in competing town halls last night, one uh, hosted by ABC News, the other by NBC. It was Donald Trump up against Joe Biden head to head in town hall meetings. Who do you think would draw uh, higher ratings? I I know my knee-jerk reaction, my first thought, when that question was posed to me yesterday ahead of the town halls, I thought, well, of course, you know, Donald Trump is the showman. Donald Trump has proven the ability to garner ratings uh, on television, and not just on television, but on NBC, where he was appearing just last night. Well, surprise, surprise, Variety Magazine says that Biden right now, in some of these early numbers, is leading the town hall duel uh, in terms of ratings. Now, that is simply looking at the network broadcast ratings right now. So ABC versus NBC. Now, there are other factors. Then those numbers will come rolling in later on, uh, one of them being that, well, NBC, uh, as they are uh, also a network, they have you know their cable products, MSNBC and CNBC. They simulcasted the, the uh, town hall meeting last night. So once all those numbers come in, who knows? Uh, we'll see how things go. Also, I think it's important to consider the, like the, the live streaming numbers on YouTube or wherever you you live stream things uh, away from your television and uh so anyway the earliest of numbers show uh, a Biden lead right now in TV ratings uh, as they measured last night's uh, dueling town halls that's that though i don't want to dwell too much on that because there there was a good deal of substance in both in both meetings. What I want to do here for the next few segments is walk through uh, what happened, some of the highlights, things that stood out to me, and then I'll open the phones uh, and you and I'll have a chance to to chat about 
uh, what we saw last night, if we watched it at all. And that I want to hear from you as well. If you chose not to to watch, uh, call in and tell me why. So from last night in Miami on an outdoor stage, uh, a state where Biden maintains a, a slight edge. Real clear politics is tracking the average of the major polls coming out of Florida. And Biden's edge right now is 1.7 percent. Now, remember, President Trump won Florida in 2016 by just over a point. Now, uh, back to the, the town hall. Savannah Guthrie, Today's Show anchor, she uh, moderated the town hall style meeting on NBC, which included a good deal of audience participation. For the next few segments, we're going to walk through this and then you'll have a chance to weigh in to start. Uh, after thinking, this is awesome, after thinking I had seen it all and heard it all in terms of what could possibly be said in any debate or town hall setting this presidential election season, uh, a woman named Paulette Dale landed a line that I never expected to hear. Good evening, Mr. President. Thank you, Thank you very much. I have to say you have a great smile. Got you. Thank As, you. So, he does. You're so handsome when you smile. You're so handsome when you smile. Have you? Did, did you think that you would ever see someone stand up in one of these town hall settings or in any setting and say, you are so handsome when you smile? I mean, besides President Trump himself, referring to himself. Uh, but no, Paulette Dale. And interestingly enough, Paulette Dale, uh, a registered Republican, as she was introduced by Savannah Guthrie last night, uh, a registered Republican uh, indicated that she was leaning towards voting for uh, Joe Biden. So for me, that's the one thing that that, that just stuck out, and I'll remember. Now, we're going to get into the substance here in a second. Once the, once the debate got rolling, uh, Savannah Guthrie returned, uh, unsurprisingly, to the issue of white supremacy and whether or not the president was willing to denounce it. Here is what the president said. I denounce white supremacy, okay? Pretty straightforward, right? Well, she then went on to say that she sensed a bit of hesitation as he said that. You'll have to uh, judge for yourself. I'll, I'll play it again for you. Uh, but to me, it sounds pretty cut and dry. I denounce white supremacy, okay? All right. So that that's a top. That's a question, in my humble opinion, asked and answered. We know where the president stands. Uh, remaining on the topic of things the president should denounce, Savannah Guthrie asked the president... About QAnon. I know nothing about QAnon. I just told you. I know very little. You told me, but what you tell me doesn't necessarily make it fact. I hate to say that. I know nothing about it. I do know they are very much against uh, pedophilia. They fight it very hard, but I know nothing about it. They believe it is a satanic call run by the deep state. Study the subject. I'll tell you what I do know about. I know about Antifa, and I know about the radical left, and I know how violent they are and how vicious they are. Savannah Guthrie there clearly not believing the president that he was unaware of QAnon, what they were up to, what the conspiracy itself says. Uh, I will admit to you, and I've shared this with you before, I have not gone down any kind of QAnon rabbit hole. I don't know uh, much beyond what Guthrie there characterized uh, as what QAnon may be. I I have no idea. I know that it is uh, tangential, it's fringe, and I don't quite understand it, and it makes me uncomfortable when it comes up in conversations. And so if that's the case for me, uh, you know, I can only presume that it's possible for the president as well not to know much about QAnon. Uh, But interestingly, uh, just uh, uh, about an hour and a half ago, uh, I got a tweet from uh, Senator Mitt Romney, and he writes uh, the following. He says, quote, the president's unwillingness to denounce an absurd and dangerous conspiracy theory last night continues an alarming pattern. Now listen to this. 
politicians and parties refuse to forcefully and convincingly repudiate groups like Antifa, white supremacists, and conspiracy peddlers. Similarly troubling is their silence regarding anti-vaxxers, militias, and anarchists. Rather than expel the rabid fringes and the extreme, they have coddled or adopted them, eagerly trading their principles for the hope of electoral victories. As the parties rush down a rabbit hole, they may be opening a door to a political movement that could eventually eclipse them both. In Romney's statement here, he's clearly referring to the response uh, to Savannah's question. But he also includes a call to forcefully and convincingly repudiate groups like Antifa. And so you hear you hear criticism not only of uh, what he you know, how he interpreted the president's response to the QAnon question, but also repudiating or I'm sorry, also criticizing uh, what, what President Trump has characterized as Joe Biden's failure to, quote, forcefully and convincingly repudiate groups like Antifa. It's an interesting it's an interesting condemnation, really, of everyone. You know, no one was off limits. And it's statements like this and the one from earlier in the week that really make me so curious uh, about what is next for Senator Romney. I cannot imagine he simply serves his term in the Senate and disappears from public life. He is always uh, one to have a plan for the next step. Uh, I wonder what it possibly could be. All right. Uh, it's time to take a break. We're halfway there. Uh, that was a narrow, narrow glimpse at what transpired last night. After the break, uh, we'll change the channel and take a look at what went on in Pennsylvania during the competing town hall by Joe Biden. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. It's Friday. I'm in a good mood. I hope that you are as well. Last night, I spent two of my hours that otherwise would have been spent playing with Baby Piper, but as she's not yet allowed to watch television, I was there by myself taking notes as I watched the two dueling town hall debates uh, or town hall meet. What, there weren't debates, right? There was going to be a debate, but uh, President Trump didn't want to uh, be on the Zoom call or something. Anyway, last night, there were up uh, head-to-head uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Not face-to-face, but head-to-head, right? Uh, Joe Biden on ABC News uh, from uh, Pennsylvania. Or who, where was where, Joe Biden was uh, in Pennsylvania, right? And uh, at precisely the same time, uh, President Trump participating in a town hall meeting in Miami. Uh, it was hosted, the Joe Biden town hall was hosted by ABC News and moderated by a former advisor to President Clinton and now ABC News political correspondent George Stephanopoulos. One of the earlier exchanges between Biden and Stephanopoulos dealt with the rollout of a COVID-19 vaccine. And specifically, and listen to this, this is an interesting, an interesting point. You really want to listen to this. Specifically, whether or not a Biden administration would mandate its use. Once we get it, if it's safe, it's, if it's effective, will you mandate its use? The answer is, depending on how clear there's vaccines, they say, have a very positive impact and they're going to affect positively 85 percent of the American public. Or there's others say this vaccine is really the key. This is this is this is the golden key. It depends on the state of the nature of the vaccine, when it comes out and how it's being distributed. That would depend on. But I would think that. We should be talking about, depending on the continuation of the spread of the virus, we should be thinking about making it mandatory. How could you enforce that? Well, you couldn't. That's the problem. Just like you can't afford, you can't enforce measles. You can't, you can't come to school unless you have a measles shot. You know, you can't. But you can't say everyone has to do this. But you would, just like you can't mandate a mask. 
But you can say, you can go to every governor and get them all in a room, all 50 of them as president, and say, ask people to wear the mask. Everybody knows. And if they don't, fine. And they don't, no, not fine. Then I go to every governor, I go to every mayor, I go to every councilman, I go to every local official, say, mandate the mask. All right. So the question was posed by George Stephanopoulos whether or not a Biden administration would mandate, mandate the use of a COVID-19 vaccine. Now, earlier in early in his response, and it was interesting, uh, George Stephanopoulos kind of jumped over him. In fact, let's hear that one more time. I'll I'll stop it after the after the important part. But listen for the question, listen for the answer and then listen as the answer is being delivered. As Joe Biden delivers the the key to the question, uh, George Stephanopoulos, uh, for whatever reason, steps on top of him. Once we get it, if it's safe, it's if it's effective, will you mandate its use? The answer is depending on how clear there's vaccines, they say, have a very positive impact and they're going to affect positively 85 percent of the American public. Or there's others say this vaccine is really the key. This is this is this is the golden key. It depends on the state of the nature of the vaccine when it comes out and how it's being distributed. That would depend on. But I would think that we should be talking about, depending on the continuation of the spread of the virus, we should be thinking about making it mandatory. How could you enforce? Did you hear that? We should be thinking about making it mandatory. Depending on the spread of the virus, we should be thinking about making it mandatory. That is a fundamental difference between these two candidates. There is no way on this green earth that President Trump would advocate uh, a vaccine mandate. He has made that clear. He said that. And here, uh, the exact opposite side of the coin, uh, Joe Biden, uh, is saying that depending on the spread of the virus, we may have to consider mandating the vaccine. Now, that may strike you one of two ways. Uh, if, if you are one that uh, is OK with a, with a mandate like that and your belief uh, is strong enough that others ought to be compelled uh, to to receive a vaccine, well, then Joe Biden is your guy. If not, well, then Trump is your guy. But this, this question right here, I think should be one that weighs very heavily on the minds of voters. We'll move on from this, uh, but it it is very important. I played it first because I think it may have been the most important takeaway of last night's debate or last night's town hall, the the Joe Biden version. Now, all right, let's uh, let's move backwards in time a bit. In late May, Joe Biden was a guest on The Breakfast Club. That's a a, a radio program hosted by Charlemagne the God. Uh, This comment from Biden came following nearly no prompting. And you'll recognize this as soon as you hear it. Biden and the host were in the opening moments of the conversation. And this is what Joe Biden said. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Now, keeping that in mind, keeping that in mind, listen to this question, which was asked last night of Joe Biden during the town hall. The question was asked by a young man named Cedric Humphreys, a black man and a student from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, who identified himself as a progressive Democrat. Many people believe that the true swing demographic in this election will be black voters under the age of 30, not because they'll be voting for Trump, but because they won't vote at all. I myself have had this exact same conflict. So my question for you then is, besides you ain't black, what do you have to say to young black voters who see voting for you as further participation in a system that continually fails to protect them? 
Well, I say, first of all, as my buddy John Lewis said, it's a sacred opportunity to write to vote. You can make a difference. If young black women and men vote, you can determine the outcome of this election. Not a joke. You can do that. And the next question is, am I worthy of your vote? Can I earn your vote? And the answer is, there's two things I think that I care, and I've demonstrated I care about my whole career. One is, in addition to dealing with a criminal justice system to make it fair and make it more decent, we have to be able to put black Americans in a position to be able to gain wealth, generate wealth. All right, so what do you think? Was that an acceptable answer for Mr. Humphreys? Uh, was that an acceptable answer to Mr. Humphreys' question? You'll have to decide. Now, how about this? This is the question of packing the Supreme Court, one of the few areas in the Biden town hall last night in which George Stephanopoulos actually did go at the candidate and uh, and pushed back, seeking to nail down an answer. It wasn't easy for George, but he did get Biden to say that he would reveal his position on court packing before Election Day, just last just not last night. But how about that question of expanding the court? Here's what you said exactly one year ago tonight at a Democratic debate. You said, I would not get into court packing. I would not pack the court. That's not what you're saying now. Is the nomination of Judge Barrett reason enough to rethink your position? What is the nomination of what I wanted to do, George, you know, if I had answered the question directly, then all the focus would be on what's Biden going to do if he wins instead of on is it appropriate what is going on now? All right. Joe Biden, you went on for some time talking uh, about, you know, what, what the Republicans are doing, what uh, the timeline looks like right now. And ultimately, finally, after repeated pushing from George Stephanopoulos, uh, revealed this, that he would, Joe Biden, let it be known his position on packing the court before Election Day. Uh, you hear that music? It means time's up. I'll play, the, I'll play Joe Biden's ultimate response after the break. I also want to hear from you. The number is 801-575-8255, 801 801- Five seven five eight two five five. Did you watch one or the other debate last night? Did you jump back and forth throughout the hour? And most importantly, did anything happen last night to change your mind or your decision on whom to vote? That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I knew it. I knew it. I called it. It, start, it started with Variety Magazine here this morning. And as I, we have a big wall of TV screens here in the, in the what, what do you call this, the broadcast studio, the talk studio, uh, wherever I am right now, there's a big wall of TVs right in front of me, uh, one of them airing CNN. And what is the headline there at the bottom? Uh, that Biden beat uh, that Biden beat Trump in their ratings. Now, I didn't predict who would win. In fact, I thought that in terms of ratings, that that uh, that Trump would would certainly draw a larger audience. Uh, you know, being the reality TV guy that he is and uh, putting on a show as he does. Well, uh, <laughs> I knew it. I knew that there would be uh, just almost an obsessive focus on the ratings. How else do you quantify the back and forth between? Uh, the the two men last night, the two candidates for president, as they as they participated in independent town hall meetings, you know, no, not not face to face, but rather head to head. I knew I knew ratings. I knew ratings would be a big story. Uh, and that we would sidestep substance a bit. Well, let's, we'll, we'll try to get through some of the substance here on the program. We spent the, the first half hour of the program walking through some of the highlights. There are some remaining. I'm going to take advantage of the few minutes I have right now to share with you some of the additional observations I made from 
uh, last night's uh, dueling town halls. But I do want to hear from you uh, more than anything. 801-575-8255. That is the number to call. 801-575-TALK is the number. Also, would welcome your text messages to the Utah Community Credit Union text line. It's 57500. A few great texts have come in already. I'll read those in a moment. But but I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to go back and forth with you. 801-575-8255. Before we went to break a, a moment ago, I was walking through some of the exchange between Joe Biden and George Stephanopoulos. They were talking about the Supreme Court, specifically the question of packing the Supreme Court. This is one of the areas in the Biden town hall last night where George Stephanopoulos uh, actually did go at the candidate and sought to nail down an answer. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy for George. <laughs> but ultimately, he did get uh, Joe Biden to say that he would reveal his specific position on packing the court before Election Day, just not last night. Let me walk through uh, the the three bits of the exchange. You see, George Stephanopoulos asked the question at the onset, uh, doesn't exactly get the answer or at least a concrete answer that he was looking for. He asked the question again. Uh, the the answer still eludes him. And then ultimately, ultimately, Joe Biden does reveal uh, at least the timeline uh, with which he will be uh, sharing his views on packing the court. So let's start at the beginning of the exchange. Here's George Stephanopoulos asking about court packing. That question of expanding the court. Here's what you said exactly one year ago tonight at a Democratic debate. You said, I would not get into court packing. I would not pack the court. That's not what you're saying now. Is the nomination of Judge Barrett reason enough to rethink your position? What is the nomination of what I wanted to do, George, you know, if I had answered the question directly, then all the focus would be on what's Biden going to do if he wins instead of on is it appropriate what is going on now? And it should stay. This is the thing that the president loves to do. Always take our eye off the ball. What's at stake? One of the things Pete has suggested is, and there's a number of constitutional scholars have suggested as well, that there are at least four or five options that are available to determine whether or not you can change the way in which the court lifetime appointment takes place, consistent, arguably, with the Constitution. That reference to Pete was Pete Buttigieg, who has proposed a few ideas, uh, alternatives to how the, the court could look going forward, the Supreme Court. And if you're listening to the past 52 seconds, you didn't exactly hear something that contained an answer to George Stephanopoulos's question. Let's try taking a look at the next 52 seconds. I have not been a fan of pack co- uh, court packing because I think it just generates what will happen. Every Whoever wins, it just keeps moving in a way that is inconsistent with what is going to be manageable. So you're still not a fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I then say it depends on how this turns out, not how he wins, but how it's handled, how it's handled. But there's a number of things that are going to be coming up, and there's going to be a lot of discussion about other alternatives as well. What does that mean, how it's handled? How will that determine? Well, for for example, if there's actually real live debate on the floor, if people are really going to be able to have a time to go through this, you know, I don't know anybody who's gone on the floor and just and you know, that's been a controversial justice in terms of making fundamentally altering the, the, the makeup of the court that's gone through in a day kind of thing. I mean, it depends on how much they rush this. Well, that didn't exactly uh, contain a direct answer either. Let's see if there's something concrete in the next 26 seconds. You know, you've said so many times during the campaign, all through the course of your career, it's important to level with It is, American but George, if I, if I say, no, no matter what answer I gave you, if I say it, 
That's the headline tomorrow. It won't be about what's going on now, the improper way they're proceeding. But don't voters have a right to know where you they stand? They do have a right to know where they stand, and they'll have a right to know where I stand before they vote. So you'll come out with a clear position before Election Day? Yes, depending on how they handle this. All right, there it is. There are 18 days before Election Day. Biden has said he will reveal his position on court packing at some point in the next 18 days. One text comes in, before Election Day, some have already had their Election Day, so let's get answers already. Uh, Going to the phones, John from Holiday has some thoughts. John, what do you say? Hey, I watched both of them. I first watched Biden. I I was really curious what he was going to say, how he was going to interact, and he was super lethargic. Uh, I just, I was bored. I was, I was, ended up doing other things and you really wouldn't uh, answer the questions. I mean, how hard is it to point blank say, yes, no, I do this or I won't do that. And he stepped around a lot. And I, I like I say, if he was president, I'd be incredibly bored. Um, Trump, on the other hand, is, was very energetic, uh, kind of combative. I thought the monitor was excellent trying to, trying to pin him down on, on questions Again, he struggled with uh, trying to answer the questions like the face mask. I was just going crazy. He could just say, yes, I believe in face masks, but he, he couldn't do that. So that was a real concern for me. But I, it did not change my vote. I'm, I'm still looking for Trump. I was, I was seeing if Biden could sway me, but he could not. You, you, you'd give Savannah Guthrie's uh, performance uh, good grades last night. Yeah, I thought she was great. I thought she really kept to the point and, and tried to nail her question down when it wouldn't be answered. And I, I thought she wouldn't give up, and she kept it under control. All right. Uh, John, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for weighing in, and thanks for being a part of this whole process. Uh, let me share one text before we go to break here. Uh, it reads, I watched both online, one after the other. Biden was thoughtful and reasoned and lucid. Trump was angry and incapable of explaining why he should be reelected. I saw a president last night. He wasn't the incumbent. That uh, coming from the text messages, and uh, that's going to do it. We're going to move away now from the dueling town hall meetings of last night. I'm uh, going to leave the text line open, though. If you'd like to share your thoughts, I'd love to hear them, 57500. Again, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about something called the Streisand effect. Yeah, named after Barbara Streisand. Uh, You see, she tried to sue a photographer years ago about a photograph of her Malibu beach house. She didn't want people seeing her home, and so she tried to suppress the photo. What happened? Well, all the more eyes uh, saw that photo and saw her home. Had the opposite uh, effect of her intention. Interesting thing, and we're going to see how that applies to Twitter and the New York Post next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.